0: To afternoons with Bill Arnold. I am the Bill Arnold part of that sentence. I'm looking forward to a fantastic hour coming up with Julianne Cusack. She's going to be my guest for the whole hour. And if you are, um, if you are in a place of suffering because maybe you've had some betrayal in your life, uh, Julianne is a betrayal trauma specialist and registered psychotherapist. She's got her master's degree in marriage and family therapy. And is a registered psychotherapist in Colorado, and her and her husband Michael have got an amazing ministry called Restoring the Soul. And I'm going to open up uh, the text line for questions or concerns. I know it's going to be a, a challenging hour. It's a difficult hour when you start talking about uh, betrayal in a marriage. It's going to be a, it's going to be opening a vein for a lot of people. And I want to be super sensitive and just know there's probably going to be a, some adult conversation going on in this hour. So, maybe tune the radio down if the little ears are around, and you can always catch the podcast at myfaithradio.com. I'm, I'm not guaranteeing that's what it's going to happen, but it, it is very uh, a sensitive and adult subject that we're going to be talking about today. So, uh, you can send your questions, and of course, I will ask them anonymously on your behalf. Um, but if you um, have suffered or are suffering in a place of betrayal, Uh, because of infidelity or pornography or something that you know is uh, wreaking havoc in your life and in your marriage, you're going to want to stay tuned for this hour. It's going to be a powerful one. Julianne Cusack is my guest. We'll take 60 seconds and bring her on.
1: Love hearing from Faith Radio listeners. It's easy to get in touch with us through the Faith Line. When you call 877-933-2484, listen to the greeting, and then press the number 1. Then leave a message for a show host or general manager, Neil Stavem. You can also ask a question about upcoming events, and the event coordinator will contact you. Or, if you'd like information on a specific program, you can inquire about that as well, and the producer of that show or another staff person will get back to you. Another way to access program information is through MyFaithRadio.com. Look under the Programs tab for specific show information, including recent guests and topics. Again, the number for the Faith Line is 877-933-2484. That's 877-933-2484 or 877-93-FAITH. Give us a call anytime and leave a message to stay connected to Faith Radio.
0: is my guest the full hour and i know you're gonna find this to be riveting because she's got quite a story and god has given her enormous strength and courage to take her brokenness and share it with others and julianne so nice to have you back on the show
2: Bill,
3: it's great to be here today. How are you you doing?
0: Well, I'm doing well, and I know when you ask me that, you actually mean it, which I love. (laughs) And you and Michael have got uh, something powerful going on in your lives, and what you've gone through is amazing, and how you have weathered it through uh, the power of Christ in your life is uh, remarkable.
3: Yes, it's been quite a journey. And I was reflecting back; it's been five years since we did the last radio show together.
0: Wow, I appreciate you keeping track of that. I would have not thought it was five years, but thank I you. know
3: it seemed like you know maybe one, two, three, but I five would... years ago. So yeah. I'm glad to be back on. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah,
0: and I always appreciate Julianne you making yourself available through your story because I don't sometimes some days I don't know how you get up and tell it again and again.
3: Oh, um, well, I've had a lot of practice at this point. <laughs> <laughs> I,
0: I assume so. And let's start with this question. If you uh, get a, a test back in college and the professor's notes were on the front page and the grade was on the last page, what would you look for first?
3: Oh, I'd probably read the comments.
0: Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I just I just want to let our listeners know that if you go to the back of the page, the grade is that you and your husband are still married.
3: Ah, uh, uh, yes, but that's not always what happens. And just because we're married doesn't mean we're, we're still not growing in process and have our issues. So. I get
0: it. I get it. So maybe yes. we can set the stage and you can walk our listeners through um, how this all began at this young, tender age when you just uh, married Michael.
3: Yeah. uh, Well, actually, it probably began before we um, got married. Um, When we were about to be engaged, he disclosed to me that he had been um, exposed to porn early on in life and had struggled in his teens and early 20s, and that he had actually been in counseling for um, a porn addiction and and sex addiction and recovering. And so I was very young and very naive and said, um, well, that's fine if it's in the past, but I, it's not okay to do that once we're married. And then um, fast forward about three years and things, um, we got married, we'd been married three years. And I remember on our third wedding anniversary, I really felt hated and I really felt disconnected from him. And it was shortly after that, uh, within about two weeks, that I caught him in a lie that started to unravel. And he said the words that any any wife dreads hearing. I certainly dreaded hearing them. He said to me, there's something I've got to tell you.
2: Mm.
3: And um, that's when he disclosed that for about the past year, Um, he had been struggling, um, with, um, his sexual addiction again, porn addiction, some acting out. And, uh, we got into therapy. Um, we actually didn't do couples work at that time. We met with our, um, a mentor slash counselor for at least one, maybe two sessions, um, and, and that he spoke in and gave us directives, what to do, what not to do, mostly to Michael. Um, and I was pretty much useless. <laughs> I was devastated. Um, I was supposed to have been in graduate school that very summer. Um, and was not, and had I been, I likely would have withdrew. Um, it was a very it was a very difficult, dark, hard time.
0: Yeah, so you're getting this news, and you're, what, three years into your, your new marriage?
3: Yeah, three years in. Um, I did not take the news lightly. I did not take it lying down. I was pretty angry. I was pretty vocal about it. hmm felt pretty betrayed by God. You know, here I was married to this, what I thought was this upstanding Christian man, and this was not what I signed up for. Mm-hmm. Um, and I didn't know what was going to happen um, at that point. I, I really um, didn't feel that I had any love left for Michael. I certainly didn't have any respect. The only reason I stayed was I really felt that if I had left at that time, I would have been turning my back on God. And I was determined, committed. I wasn't going to do that, turn my back on God. So I basically said, I'm here until God tells me I can leave and then I'm out of here. hmm
0: Julianne, was that the, the most amount of nausea you've ever felt in your life?
3: Oh, my gosh, Bill. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, sick to my stomach. Uh, every time he said, you know, like, there's more I need to tell you. I mean, just, I mean, ugh. Um, and and every morning, you know, I'd wake up and there'd be this like nanosecond of ah, uh, and then it'd be like, oh, uh, you know, it would just wash over me, you know, this. This nightmare, you know, was my reality. <laughs> um, I was waking up to it every day, so mm-hmm. it, was, it was awful. Um,
0: did you put a lock but, on your bedroom door? Was Michael allowed in the house? What did you? How did you? How did you exist during this time?
3: Yeah, uh, we were pretty much distant roommates. Um, I uh, there was there was a lock already on the on the bedroom. We had a small apartment at the time and. Um, he slept out on the living room floor on, I think, some kind of, like, blow-up mattress.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I locked the bedroom door um, and cried myself to sleep every night, heard him crying himself, wailing himself to sleep. Um, the one gift he really gave me was that he was really – he allowed himself to be devastated by the pain he had caused me. Um and I, I say that really was a gift because a lot of women don't get that. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's another heartbreak on top of it. Um, but he was truly broken and sorrowful. And, um, you know, one of the things our, our mentor counselor said to us was, Michael, if Julianne is ever going to trust you again, you have to be 100% honest with her. And And he was. And it was brutal. But, boy, I would much rather be hurt by the truth than be comforted by a lie.
0: Mm-hmm. Julianne, let me take a little break. I've got um, some questions and some com- listeners contributing already. And what I just hey. read is going to be difficult. So I'll, hit, I'll ask you this when I come back from break, Julianne Cusack is my guest and we're talking about betrayal and how difficult it is in a person's life. Um, when there's infidelity, um, and pornography, and it's an adult conversation for sure. We'll take 90 seconds and be right back. Welcome back to the show. Julianne Cusek is my guest. She's a betrayal and trauma specialist and registered psychotherapist. She's got a very uh, powerful story of betrayal and infidelity at a very young stage in her marriage, and she is... Um, here, talking to us about it today. Um, Juliana, I already have a, a listener chime in with this one. Let me run this by you. I'm the betrayer through lying mm. about pornography and made a long portion of my life worshiping the wrong God, self pleasure, and went to a house of prostitution. When I finally got control, the damage was well on its way. How can I make repairs to my wrongfulness?
3: Hmm. Wow. Well, first, um to the betrayer, thank you so much for your honesty and for reaching out today.
0: I've been praying um, for him during the break. I Yeah, so I'm with you, Julian. Yeah. yeah.
3: Yeah. Um I think um you know, reaching out and coming into the light is is a huge first step and a very important one. And all I can share is what michael did that really uh, blessed me and as i've walked with women now over the 15 plus years it's been 25 since this all happened to me um coming into the light a commitment to honesty and integrity um being trans transparent um all helped michael was committed to the truth and still is to this day and that gave me the freedom over time to to really trust him again. Um, one of the things that I know I long for um, as a wife and the wives that I work with, they really want their husbands to be present, to engage with them and connect with them emotionally. They, In their marriage, they want a partner. Um, and so any way you can Um, be that for your wife, show up emotionally, um, join her in her life, uh, partner with her, uh, connect emotionally, Um, do the work that you need to, um, to uncover uh, the wounds, uh, the pains of the past that drove your addiction, so that you're more fully present for her, Um, doing that hard work. um, Certainly, when Michael did that, uh, and, I, and I saw that right before my eyes, and I watched his transformation went a long way in healing our relationship.
0: Julianne, what was that length of time, though, where you were just so angry at Michael, you were angry at God, you, were, you felt like you were just nauseous all the time? I mean, what, uh, how long did that last?
3: Yeah, well, you know, it, you know, for me, disclosure was a pretty much everyday thing. It kind of trickled out. And some of it was, you know, had happened in our marriage and some of it was stuff that had happened long before I ever even knew Michael. But he was really committed to getting things out into the light and to being completely honest and open and transparent with me. So I would say it was a good six months to a year. I would say in the first three to six months, you know, it was daily and then it started to trickle to every other day and then it was... You know, a couple times a week and once a week, and it just was this slow taper. Um, and then um, I would say between the six month mark and the year mark, we kind of really rounded the corner. Um, but it it really took a whole year um, for me to begin to, to recover, to begin to trust him, to begin to have hope for a future. Um, and it it took that time not only for me to become regulated, but it took that time for Michael to do his work. And then it took that time for me to be able to see that work and trust that work.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: You know, I mean scripture says, you know, test the spirits, right? I mean, we have to test things. We have to, to see, are they really authentic? Are they going to hold up? And the only way we can do that is to give time. Um, and as hard as it is, you know, I really encourage wives If they're just now hearing about it for the first time, they've discovered it or their husbands hear this and they feel convicted and they and they confess to them. I I mean, it's a shock. Um, Betrayal trauma is a real thing. And we're not equipped at that point um, because of the shock, because of the betrayal, because of the dysregulation, the the shock to our system. Uh, Our reality is suddenly turned inside out and upside down. You know, we're not prepared to make a life-altering decision because one's just happened for us, um, un- unwelcomed. Um, and so it takes time to process through that, to, to get a sense of what, what, what's real, what really happened. Um, how, how do I recover from this? How do I process this, uh, let alone recover? How do I just get my, try and get my head around this? Um, I was three years in and I had, and I knew about a prior history. Many of the women I sit with, Bill, you know, they didn't know about a prior history. Their husbands didn't tell them Mm -hmm. and they've been five, 10, 15, 20 or more years. And then this long kept secret comes to life. And the longer a couple is married, the greater the impact of the betrayal trauma on the spouse, you know, on the betrayed partner. Mm -hmm. Um, So these women are just reeling, you know, they're home with three kids. They haven't worked maybe for 10, 10 or 20 years. And all of a sudden they're like, what? You do what? You've done what? This happened before we were even married and has continued in our marriage. And they have a lot of questions and everything that they've lived really kind of comes under scrutiny and, and doubt. Um, You know, did you Were you, you know, were you doing these behaviors here and, and here and here? And, you know, were you really in love with me all these years? And if you were, how could you do these things? Um, so it's pretty crazy making for the, for the wife.
0: Mm -hmm. What was your support system when Michael dropped the bomb? I
3: didn't have one. Okay. Uh, I didn't, I didn't have one at all. I had the one mentor that we, we met with initially and he was a godsend, um, very grateful um, for that man and his words. Um, they've stayed with me these 25 years, and I use, use them often. I share them often with wives and, and men who are struggling. Um, and, uh, and for the sake of, of this show, I, I'm, get, I'm operating under the, the premise that the, the men are the ones that are struggling with the addiction, and the betrayed partners are the wives. There are cases where it's the other way around and the wife has been, um, you know, uh, unfaithful and mm-hmm. has had full affairs, uh, but for the case. So I just don't want to, um, marginalize the men out there that are wounded, um, by their partners. Um, but if I'm saying, you know, husband, I'm referring to the sex struggler and, and the betrayed partner, I'm referring to the wife, um, but back then, I uh, just the nature of our community, we were, we were newly married. We were new in a community. Um, a lot of our friends had kind of come in for this um, master's program that Michael had gone through that I was um, scheduled to go through. Um, and so people would come in, and then they'd move away. And so I didn't really have a community. And honestly, Bill, that's how God— you know, kind of brought me to the place of sharing my story. Um, there's an old Testament passage that says, and he drew them with cords of human kindness. And I feel like he really drew me, um, with these cords of compassion for other wives that were hurting. Um, so, um, you know, Michael started, like I said, he did his work few years out, he was leading groups. I I hadn't told anybody and here he is leading groups and men are getting free and telling their wives and their wives want to talk to me. And I hadn't told other than that, you know, like two counselors, (laughs) I Mm -hmm. hadn't told soul. So I suffered with a lot of silence and shame. Um, and then as God tenderly drew me through this person wanted to meet and this person wanted coffee and would I please talk to this wife? Uh, And then I started to know these people, and the circle got closer and closer to people that I I loved dearly. Um, There was a defining moment when I I was in my car, and I remember crying, and I threw up my hands to God, and I said, fine, I'll talk. And since that point, I've just—if He's opened a door with fear and trembling, I walk through it, and I I speak, and I share my story um, so that God— will not waste my pain and that women who are out there won't suffer in silence and shame and being alone. Mm-hmm. That I want them to know they're not alone.
0: Julian. Yeah. If a woman comes to you and she has gone through what you've gone through and she has felt betrayed, do you suggest a length of time that she should give herself? Or, I mean, I, I'm sure the instinct is I want his stuff moved to the end of the driveway by five o'clock.
3: Yeah. Um, it's interesting. I think there's, um, kind of a range of responses. There are those that are like, let's not just put it in the driveway by five o'clock, but let's have a bonfire at seven and roast some marshmallows with all of his stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, to, um, just denial, um, that, uh, maybe this is normal or every man struggles and we're just going to get through this. Um, We're going to push it under the rug and we're going to move on. Um, And this really isn't a problem, which is like saying, "Yeah, cancer really isn't a problem." Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, because this is really a cancer of of the soul. It, it's yes, pornography is a problem, infidelity, sexual acting out is a problem, but more than that, it's a symptom of a deeper problem of a soul problem, yeah, thing that's amiss inside, and so. Really, there's some deep work um, that needs to be done in order for true healing and freedom Mm -hmm. um, place. So to answer your question long about um, one, yes, there's a range of reactions. And two, yeah, usually I say you need to really take at least six months to a year um, because you're in shock, you're in crisis, and Mm -hmm. that's not a good time to make a life altering decision.
0: I need to take yeah. a little break. Julianne Cusick is my guest. If you have a question or a concern, let us know. We can I'll ask the question on your behalf anonymously, of course. 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. the show, Julianne Cusack is my guest. You can go to restoringthesoul.com. She's a betrayal trauma specialist and registered psychotherapist with an amazing uh, amount of work God has given her to do after uh, a very traumatic experience of uh, discovering betrayal in her early marriage after only three years. Um, and it's, Julianne, it's it's so um, uh, powerful when you you get that earth shattering news and we're right before the break, we were talking about all the different kinds of responses one could have, but there's still kids that have to get rides to practice and meals that have to be made. And it it, it has to stop your world entirely and completely. Yet, how do you function?
3: Yes, Bill, that is a dilemma that many wives face because um, they, have children at home that they need to take care of and drive carpool and cook dinner or they're working full-time or part-time on top of it outside of the home and so they're they're having to kind of keep that on the back burner or put it aside just to be able to function and then then when, they're, when they have time, if they can find time, is when the pockets of grief come out. So late at night after the kids are in bed or the middle of the night or when they're in the shower crying as they're getting ready for their day. Because they're trying to um, keep a sense of balance at home for the sake of the children when um, they've just been you know, shot in the chest mm-hmm. uh, and, and they're bleeding everywhere. So it's 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 really a difficult difficult place um that many women find themselves. Um
0: and betrayal is incredibly traumatic and it may be the rest of your life. Fair?
3: Um yes, for some women yes. Hopefully not the the rest of their life. I mean, um Michael and I did a podcast earlier this year and you know i i found that i wasn't um triggered you know by talking about the the story and and i was really surprised by that and i had to hit pause and reflect you know if somebody had told me 25 years ago there'd be a day that you know i would talk publicly about this i would have laughed if they told me uh, there would be a day when i wouldn't feel that the pit in my stomach and like i was going to throw up um I would have said, no way, like this is, this is far too deep a wound that, Mm -hmm. that could heal. Um, And yet God has been really faithful to, to bring that healing um, to me. And so, you know, I think there's a couple factors there, Bill, one being um, just the the emotional, spiritual health uh, of the, of the woman in the first place. Um, And, and then her history of trauma, does she have previous trauma? I find that women that have some unresolved trauma, as I did, um, so there's no judgment here at all, um, it certainly heightened the betrayal for me because it was reopening a wound of betrayal that was already there, Um, reopening um, old injuries that at a young age were still tender. Um, And so um that's a harder longer uh road for women who who have that previous uh wounding could be emotional abuse could could have been uh you know their dad's unfaithfulness and a divorce uh could have been um a, a sexual assault maybe that that they were victim to um could have been a prior marriage um, or a boyfriend that was unfaithful. So there's a lot of different things that could have happened in her history that would make this a double whammy. Um, I say trauma likes to piggyback on trauma. So the more trauma we have, the greater the reaction we have, the greater the wounding, the greater the impact, the greater the grief, the greater the loss, um, and the greater the recovery time.
0: Mm-hmm. I've another listener that chimed in and said my wife uh, continually rejects me and the lack of intimacy is driving me nuts. And I think what he's, I didn't get the, the full rest of the text message, but it sounds like he's trying to avoid potentially dangerous activity. And I don't know exactly what that would be, but if you start self-medicating with porn, it's not going to help the situation at all.
3: No, no. And, uh, you know, some people think, you know, that it will, but ultimately you're really playing with fire and it's a slippery slope. Uh, I certainly don't recommend it. Um, but I would encourage that husband um, to ask his wife, what do you need um, to increase a sense of safety in our relationship? What, what do you need to um, feel safe enough to begin exploring our physical and sexual intimate relationship? Um,
0: well, I, don't, <clears throat> I don't want to leave out a piece of the, the, of the text, but uh, the oh. wife is in kind of a menopausal stage. So okay. she's in a transition right now and and she is rejecting him, so maybe if you add that piece into the into the equation, maybe you would then give uh advice to him
3: yeah i would I would still start with all of the the same things that i said um and then i would i would add on to that um, you know there are some real uh physical you know, issues that that women uh, encounter from their monthly cycle to pregnancy to postpartum to menopause. I mean, we've just got it coming and going. Um, So there's definitely grace for Mm us. Um, You know, but in the midst of that, I know many women who can do other things um, sexually to be engaged to help pleasure satisfy their husband. And so you know what's missing emotionally? I'd be curious about. Does she really feel cherished by him? Does she feel loved by him? Um, again, what what does she need to increase the level of emotional intimacy and connection um, in their relationship? Um, that's beyond. You know, it may not mean intercourse because it's, it's painful, um, and it could be her libido's low because of the menopause. Um, but there are still There's still other avenues to bring connection in the marital relationship, um, physically, emotionally, and sexually,
0: Mm -hmm. without intercourse. Yeah, and it's uh, entirely wrong for men to think that the uh, pornography is harmless. You know, if it's just consumed in smaller doses, it's just not...
3: Yeah no unless you want to experiment with cocaine for the brain and and just you know justify it or rationalize it with small doses um but the impact they've done brain scans the impact of um you know online pornography is is very similar in the brain to that of cocaine use
0: Yeah it's it's the pretty much the same reaction isn't it
3: Yeah yeah it absolutely is and then then your brain gets hijacked cuz it's like ooh hey dopamine i got to have it hey i like all those chemicals that get released and and then you know most men don't just watch porn they usually masturbate along with it um sometimes that's the whole reason for the porn right is mm-hmm. to bring themselves to climax and so you know morally ethically um Uh, what are they doing to themselves to damage themselves? And for wives, that's a betrayal. That's Mm -hmm. another lusting after another woman.
0: Yeah. Um, I know, Julianne, you lead uh, many different programs and you've got a 12 week uh, trauma recovery group for wives that are overcoming the effects of, of sexual betrayal. mm -hmm. Would you kind of walk us through what would go on in those 12 weeks? I'm just so curious.
3: Well, Bill, I don't know that we've got time today, but um I'll I'll try <laughs> to just give you some highlights. Um, the group Highlights would be uh, great, by the way. What's what's that? Highlights, highlights would
0: be great, by the way.
3: Um so I run a closed group. Um and I'm aware that there's a lot of online support uh that's becoming more and more available. Um I can't speak to the to the quality of it, but I know that that it's available and um I would like to say that all help is good help, but that's not the case uh, if somebody doesn't really understand uh, betrayal trauma or trauma uh, and the impact to the spouse. I've I've had women that have been damaged by well-meaning people, but they've actually, in fact, done harm. Um, and then that, I'm aware that there is a lot of open groups, kind of like you can drop in um, like you would like an AA meeting. Um, and for somebody who's recovering from trauma, you know, let's consider, you know, um, a sexual assault victim. Um, she's not going to feel real safe going to a drop-in group where people are new every week. So my groups are closed. So whoever starts, uh, we all start together and we finish together. And nobody new comes in, you know, halfway through the group. So I think that's a big part uh, of, of what we do is that it's closed. Uh, and everyone there is suffering um, from some type of betrayal in a relationship of a sexual nature. And of course, there's a there's a, a wide spectrum and range of the types of behaviors that we see. But we're all in the same place. And and Bill, this is the group that nobody wants to be a part of. Um, they're devastated. They're ashamed. Uh, they're embarrassed. They don't want their friends or their family or their church community to know. And these groups are a safe haven. They're confidential. And we do a variety of different things that are both experiential um, as well as some teaching about what is sex addiction, what does the road to recovery look like, and then what's happening to you. Um, What is this craziness that's just happening where you can't sleep and and you're crying all the time or you're having these um, bursts of anger that are very uncharacteristic uh, to you, you're, you're, you know, you're eating or you're not eating is more likely what happens and, and talking to them about what is, what are the symptoms and the signs of trauma and allowing them that opportunity to go, okay, I'm not crazy. I feel crazy, but I'm not crazy. Um, there's something, you know, biologically, physiologically that's happening in my body as a result of this new information. Um, and so it's a real journey and a progression of we share our stories, um, we we get support, it's confidential, we do some experiential work. Um, and really, Jesus just is very fond of these groups. Um, I lead them locally. I don't have them available online. Um, I apologize. That's I okay.
0: Your, do- your dog is always welcome on the show.
3: <laughs> um uh, he's asserting himself today. That's okay. Um, but uh, uh, you know, really, we and then we do a lot of um, just really more um, body-centered work, spiritual-centered work. Um, our, our desire there, and I say "our" because I have a wonderful co-leader who's been with me for 15 years, um, where we want to pour into. Um, the lives of the women who come. Okay. There's really a pouring out and a giving uh, on our part uh, to support them, to meet their needs. And while we have topics and we have you know forms of ministry that we uh, use, it's really what are the needs of the women in that specific group. And each time it's different, Bill. Mm-hmm. And we cater what we do to meet the needs of the women that are
0: there. hmm Julian, let me take a little break, and we'll be right back. I've got uh, some other listeners chiming in who would like uh, some counsel and wisdom from you. Julian Cusick is my guest, talking about uh, betrayal and infidelity, and it's an adult topic for sure. But uh, let us know if you have a question, 877-933-2484, 877-933-2484. We'll be right back. Show. Julianne Cusick is my guest and she is at restoringthesoul.com. And I've got a couple of other questions that popped in. I really loved hearing your closed group and the safety and security. And it sounds really transformational, Julianne. It's really, really neat. Um, let me ask a couple of questions that have come in from listeners. Is it possible for men to stop watching porn without getting any kind of outside help, even after years of exposure?
3: Well... There's the ticket. Was that last phrase after years of exposure? Um, Can can men quit on their own? Sure. Can can somebody struggling with alcohol, um, you know, overuse or abuse stop? Yes. Um, If they're going it alone, are they really getting the deeper healing that they need? That can really only come through community or work with a therapist, um, or some deep, deep soul work um, with, a, with a gifted, um, you know, mentor, or spiritual director.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: so, yes, I think it's possible to stop the behavior. Do I think that they're able to get to the root issues on their own in isolation? No, um, I don't. And, and not to say that that might not happen. Um, but it'd be very, very unlikely because we were created for community. And we're wounded in community, and we heal in community.
0: Mm -hmm. And I don't mind plugging Michael's book, uh, Surfing for God. I think it's one of the best books that's been written on the subject.
3: Thank you. Yes, I I agree with you there.
0: It's quite brilliant, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Thank you. Yeah. Um, Is reading romance novels infidelity?
3: So um, you bring up the other side of the the equation, women who um, read— uh, romance novels or um, erotic fiction, right, fantasy um, and that's that's how it manifests in more women emotional affairs, um, some some physical and sexual, but many times emotional. Um, and you know I think the answer isn't yes or no, it's why are we doing it? What is it uh, giving us or doing for us? Um, You know, is it enhancing who we are as individuals? Is it enhancing our relationship? Is it making us um, more mature in character, more available to connect emotionally with God, ourselves and those around us? Um, So I think we have to look beneath uh, the behavior to ask what's motivating it. And what's
0: the fruit of it, mm-hmm. um, Julianne? When you look over the landscape of 25 years of being involved in restorative ministries to people who have gone through what you've gone through, um, what are the percentages of marriages that make it versus ones that don't? That's not a reflection of your work. It's just a it's just a kind of a broad question about uh, when this comes into the relationship, Christian or non-Christian. Um, I assume the Christian marriages uh, stand a greater chance of surviving. But what about, what's the percentage of ones that stay married and ones that don't?
3: Uh, what I can say, um, you know, I, I was able to go back to school and, and get my master's in, uh, actually in marriage and family therapy. And during that three-year journey, all of my research that I did was on the impact of sexual addiction on marriages in Really, what the research is showing is that Christians and non-Christians are suffering at the same rate uh, with pornography, men and marriages. Um, Nationally, I can't speak to um, the percentages, or even if Christians are more apt to stay married, um, what I can say is that through... The Ministry of Restoring the Soul and the work that we do here, um, I would say we have we've seen between an 80 and 90 percent um, successful rate of marriages restored. Um, and of those that have ended, that 10 to 20 percent, our goal is for for the couple to end well, uh, for the sake of each other and the children and their future because any children that they have ties them together for the future Uh, there's already been enough pain and betrayal and trauma and the last thing we want to see for a couple um, ending a marriage is more of that and so if there's unrepentance if there are um, psychological um, issues that cannot fully be addressed or that are not fully being addressed um, the individuals unwilling or unable um, and, and then it, we do everything we can. And if it comes to that place, uh, we we believe in ending well, mm-hmm. um, so minimize the damage for the future.
0: Mm-hmm. Julia, Juliana, I always am interested in helping listeners as much as I can when I have you on the program. So if you can um, help m- maybe offer some counsel and wisdom to those who are really struggling because there are people that are, that there are women right now that are, are dealing with this, this horror, this, uh, I'm sure they're trying to figure out how to, um, function. And, um, yeah. Yeah. I know there's, there's men listening too that go, huh, I've, I've been the betrayer and it's still my secret.
2: Hmm.
3: Yes. So I'd like to first address the women by saying, um, I'm so sorry for what you're going through. Um, you're not alone. Um, and there is hope. It's a long journey, but there is hope. Um, I encourage you to tell someone a trusted someone, a safe someone seek out a counselor or a trusted friend and share, um, what's going on. Don't continue to suffer in the silence. Um, get some good resources, check out our website, listen to our podcasts, um, uh, get Michael's book, um, get some, get some other, there's more and more, thankfully, uh, better material coming out on the internet and in books, um, on betrayal trauma. Um, look for that, look for trauma recovery resources for yourself.
2: Mm Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and that can provide just some, a good pathway to begin some healing. Um, and men, um, to you, you're not your actions. Um, it wasn't your intent um, to devastate your wife, even though that's the impact that your actions and your choices have resulted in. Uh, but tell someone, don't hide in the secrecy and the darkness and the shame. Bring the truth into the light, so it can be exposed to the light and transformed by the light. Um, start with a friend. Go to a sex anonymous group. Um, make sure your wife has support, and and tell her. Uh, but make sure she's got a team around her that can help with the kids, with the meals, uh, with the driving. Um, it's important for her to have support. Um, her life is about to be turned upside down.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, That's wonderful counsel, Juliana. I had a, another listener jump in and say, I, I'm a light watcher. I was a light watcher of porn, but seven or eight months ago, my wife caught me and she mm-hmm. really didn't seem mad, but she seemed very sad. It made yeah. me sad. I don't like to see her hurting like that. So I promised her I'll never look at it again. And it's been about seven or eight months now i 've been porn free, I have to say it is a difficult urge it 's always there, but feeling and seeing that sadness from her is what 's helping me fight it
3: yeah, wow that 's really powerful. Um, you know not wanting to hurt our loved ones can be um, a very strong motivating factor in recovery, and I think that 's what that that gentleman is 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 describing right he doesn 't want to hurt his wife, but the struggle is real. Um, so I, I encourage two things. One, he may want to get with a couple guys or, or a counselor to talk about, um, the, the hook, right. That, um, or Michael's book is really explains this, right. What, what are the hooks? What's the draw? How do we detox our brain? How do we rewire our brain? The second thing is what's he looking for, um, in, in the porn and how can he turn Instead of away from his wife to porn, towards his wife. How can they build more emotional connection? Um, how can they increase their um, healthy attachment to one another? How can they increase safety and trust in their relationship? And so, what what does it mean for him to turn to his wife, saying, "Hey"? Um, this is one of those times where I'm feeling, you know, stressed at work or lonely or inadequate, and this is one of those times I would look at porn. But instead, I just want to sit and talk with you. Can mm-hmm. we go for? a Can we get a cup of coffee? Um, and and turning into her and giving her giving her his heart which is what women want. Um, and men are like, well, what does that mean? You know, it, it means telling her what's going on inside of you, telling her your thoughts and your feelings and your fears um, and building a new kind of language bet- between you that's deeper than what do we need at the grocery store and who's got to get the kids after school. Mm-hmm.
0: Juliana, we're out of time, but it's been a wonderful hour. It's so nice to talk to you again. And thank you for uh, what you and Michael are doing. Um, I've got another listener that's jumped in. So if they want to get information about uh, your counseling and all of that, they can go to um, uh, your website, yes, restoringthesoul.com.
3: Yeah, um, yep, yeah that's it.
0: They were, they were concerned about asking questions like, you know, even the cost and location, uh, probably even willing to travel. So that's, that's, that's how you've connected with my audience today. Thank you.
3: Well, thank you, Bill. It's an honor, and my hope and prayer is that um, that this, this time today uh, helps listeners.
0: Yeah, thank you so much, and say hi to Michael for me.
3: I'll do it, Bill. Take right. care.
0: Julian Cusick has been my guest. RestoringTheSoul.com is the website. You can get all kinds of information there on uh, the services and counseling, and Michael's book is called Surfing for God, Michael Cusick, C-U-S-I-C-K. That wraps up our show. Thanks for listening. If you missed any, go to MyFaithRadio.com. You can check out the podcast. Have a great night. See you tomorrow. Thanks for listening. Programming like this is made available through your support. Information available at MyFaithRadio.com.